Let's pray. Please take your seats. This was the age of empires. Mighty powers were raised up only to fall to even stronger ones. First, there was the Assyrians, mean, harsh, and militarily tough. Then there were the Egyptians, religious, adept to agriculture, and very good traders. Then there was the Babylonians, military strategists, and culturally smart. And in the midst of all of this were two small nations of Israel and Judah, perilously tossed about by stronger political powers. And there's much we could say about the history of Isaiah, and there'll be more about this in the home group notes, and we've printed out some extra copies in case any of you really like going into the history of things. But what we must remember this morning is that this is the period in time when imperialism was at its zenith. Assyria, Egypt and Babylon all had their heyday during this time. And Israel tried to make alliances to protect itself from some of these powers, despite God's warning to trust in him and not princes. Sadly, it didn't really work out for them, and the net result was that the Israel kings ended up as puppets under the new regime. And when we join at chapter 40, we're joining at the point in Israel's history when they've been delivered from the Assyrians, only to be taken into exile by the Babylonians. And many Israelites and Judeans were taken off to Babylon to live um, in exile um, in about uh, 597 in a couple of batches. And they were there for years. It was only many years later when they had a new kin in Babylon that he actually let them go home. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Frightened, exhausted, after many years of political upheaval torn away from familiar places to foreign lands, stripped of their Jewish heritage and temple, separated from loved ones who got left in Israel, naked, vulnerable, having lost their national identity. And this is where Isaiah 40 comes in. And it speaks of a time when God will take them back home to Jerusalem and once again be their strong shepherd. And I wonder if you've ever been a bad place in life. You might be there now and you didn't quite know what to do and it all felt very dark. Perhaps there were lots of people telling you how to get yourself out of it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find people just can't help give you some advice, can they? They tell you what to wear, how to be married, you know, uh, for those of you with children, how you need to be a better parent, where to go on holiday, how to be a spouse, even what to do when you're on rotor in church. (laughs) Rarely, however, do people giving the advice have the complete picture. Well, today we start our Bible passage with God being telling us what to do. But the good news is, when God tells us what to do, he does see the whole picture. And what does he tell us? To go and comfort. 
God is giving Isaiah and everyone else who hears the message, like us this morning, some sturdy advice and thankfully is involved in the implementing of it too. So what do we see? And Roger, if we could have the Bible passage up, that would be great. So verses one and two, please. So verse one says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak to Jerusalem's heart, proclaim it. This is like a team that goes on the secondment or a military team that goes on a tour of duty and then uh, returns home. This is a message of love, of security, comfort for the Babylonian exiles as well as the whole world. This is supposed to be a balm to a broken people. And the message is spoken tenderly. And the idea behind that word tenderly is like a young man who tries to woo his girlfriend. There is plenty of harsh rebuke in Isaiah. And in fact, if you go home and you read the chapter before, it's got a completely different kind of uh, voice. But the message of Isaiah 40 is that the punishment for making the wrong alliances and decisions has been paid for. And for many of you, you will hear echoes of this being familiar Well, that's because there's very strong echoes here of a future payment in Jesus who would actually pay all the debts of sin. And it's actually no coincidence that Isaiah is the most quoted book in the New Testament as well. Because Jesus' message too was one of comfort and forgiveness. And in verses three and four, we see a voice. Listen, someone is calling out. And the great thing is, it's not just one person. When we hear the word comfort, the actual grammar behind that is plural. So he's not telling just Isaiah to go and comfort, but everybody who hears this message, go and do the same. And actually, that means us too. And we are told to make a way. Make a way for God. Make his path straight. And the idea behind this is, you might have seen it when they have, uh, especially Catholic festivals, um, or Hindu or whatever, and they have like a deity, a float that gets paraded round on holy days. And the idea behind that is that you've got to make room for God. So wherever God is going, clear the clutter out, make the path straight, make sure that the destination is going to be straightforward to get to. The path should be clear, unmistakable, and certain of arrival. Friends, when we do the same in our life and make space for God, he will certainly arrive. So here we see God provides a way back to life as he intended. A life in their homeland, not Babylon, a place where they can be true to themselves and their calling as God's holy people. Exile isn't the last word for these people, and that's a great comfort. Homecoming is sure. And then in verse 6, we see that we are told to go and proclaim this. Proclaim it. Go tell it. Tell what, though? Well, the next few verses tell us. Man is like grass. It comes and it goes. 
God, however, is faithful. This is a message of divine stability compared with human changeability. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in life you go through phases and it just feels like everything's changing and sometimes it's a bit too fast. And personally, I'm a bit of season um, like that myself with different jobs changing and training and all the rest of it. But the most important thing is, is that the things around us may change and look really unstable and uncertain. But God doesn't change and he's the constant in this message and in our lives today. And we are supposed to shout about this. In verses 9 to 11, it tells us to go out and proclaim it. God has come and will rule with strength and love. Not as a power that will oppress us, but as a king who will care for his people like a shepherd cares for his sheep. Wow, what a message is that. Can you imagine what that must have felt like to the um, Babylonian exiles when they were being oppressed? Go and tell everyone that God is coming in comfort and love. I tell you what, this was advice they didn't mind hearing. But what about us today? We know that the Bible still speaks and we know Jesus quoted from Isaiah. What's it telling us today? Could it be perhaps exactly the same thing? Go out and comfort people that God is a strong shepherd who gathers his lambs. Do we know anyone who is affected by the state of the world around them? Who is dismayed by political situations perhaps? Comfort them. Speak tenderly to them. Do we know of any oppressive regimes in the world where people are suppressed and the poor have no voice. Comfort them. Speak tenderly to them. Do we know anyone where relationships have been broken or unhealthy alliances have been made? Comfort them. Speak tenderly to them. Do we know people who have lost the very thing in life that they valued most? Comfort them. Speak tenderly to them. Do we know anyone carrying shame or battling with low self-worth? Comfort them. Speak tenderly to them. And what do we speak? Well, I think we speak the gospel. That there is a God in heaven that loves them so much that he sent his own son to live, to die, and be resurrected, that they might know the comfort of God every day of their lives. Friends, this is a message that we need to be bold in proclaiming, but in a voice of tenderness and love. God has come as a strong shepherd in Jesus to take care of his people in the midst of life's real hardships. As Isaiah saw, so we can proclaim that God restores that which is broken and lost to give new life, new hope, and new beginnings. I don't know about you, but I know plenty of people who need to hear this message. And I know personally how important this transformation can be. I heard this message when I was 15 through a friend at school. 
And I was living in a very dark place. I'd been let down by pretty much everyone I knew, including um, all my parents. And yet I heard this message of comfort that said that there was a God that loved me and offered me a different path to the one that I had already known. And I have to say, I knew very little about this God. My, my family weren't Christians. But although I knew very little about him, he showed up as a real, powerful, and loving presence as I knelt and asked him into my life. And my life circumstances didn't actually change that much in the next few years. But what did was knowing that I wasn't alone in them. God's comfort and tender voice was a constant hope for me at a time when lots of different voices and situations were happening outside of my control. And friends, I I can honestly say there's no other way I'd rather live life than having Jesus in it now. And because of that, I do understand this passage. When we are told to go and shout it from the rooftops, why wouldn't we? Because if we've got good news, why wouldn't we want to share it? And this idea of going and comforting people can be very practical. It doesn't actually have to be just going, every, going around and giving everyone a big hug. It can actually be done in very practical ways. And we've got some good examples of that here at St. Stephen's already. The Rainbow Drop-Off Cafe once a week offers a friendly chat and a cup of coffee to exhausted parents every Wednesday morning. The home communion team take out precious balm of comfort to those who can't make it to church. The WAVE monthly gardening and home help service that serves people in the community gives certainly more than just a lawn trim. And there are many other things that are going on within local churches and the community that bring God's comfort. Perhaps we could all consider what God might be calling us to do this week and get involved in. Sometimes we may wonder, though, what the world is coming to and think that that it's just evil all around us. But God gives us hope as Christians that that's not the full picture. And we can share that with others. Isaiah, too, sees darkness looming all around him and yet knows they are surrounded by light. He sees the shame of being an occupied people and combines it with the hope of being a delivered nation. He sees the result of Israel's disobedience in the greater picture of God's forgiveness and love. He knows that no matter how powerful the leaders of the empires are, these are mere tools in Yahweh's hands. Friends, our God is a strong shepherd who tells us to go and comfort the broken and speak tenderly to them. He is a constant in a time of change. And this is a message for us sitting here this morning, for those in Shottermill, those in the UK, and those far further afield. We have a message of hope, not darkness. A message of new life, not death. A message of forgiveness and new starts, no matter how badly we might have messed things up in the past. Who might God want us to proclaim to this week? Amen.